Welcome everyone to the first episode that we're doing here called a mini-sode where the point of this is just to kind of discuss things that we find interesting that we couldn't quite get to uh, during the full podcast. So we're aiming for these to be around anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, a couple topics, something we just want to talk about. So, you know, we'll be doing these every now and then when we really want to talk about something. So look forward to those. So yeah, this is mini-sode episode one. Today we're going to be discussing... Season 1 of The Bear, with Season 2 having already dropped last night, we thought it'd be great to go back and rewatch what I think is one of the greatest Season 1s of all time. So we're going to talk about that, and then after we're going to talk about Episode 2 of Better Call Saul, Miho. So, let's get into it. So, Badgie, what did you Dude, think after your rewatch of The Bear? It's, it, it's like, way better than I remember it being. I mean, you've got, like... Several banger, ep- especially that episode uh, that I think they filmed completely in, in one, one take. take. Oh my god, that is insane! That episode takes years off your life, man. Bro, it's chaotic, man. So, it's- one thing that I really appreciated this time around was like the flair of the show, like the way they film things. Not even the the, the cinematography, but the editing, the way they edit mm-hmm. scenes together. It kind of goes in style with like what's going on with the chaos of the show. Mm-hmm. Like I love that that opening scene where Carmi um is walking towards the bear, and yeah. then he reaches out for it, and like the camera flips, and it's just like boom, like Carmi waking up out of his sleep. I'm like that's Dude, such. It looks a good... so good. The show looks like amazing. Yeah, like it looked like I'm sure this show's budget was probably relatively small, but mm-hmm. like the way they they made like use of like every single penny they could. It is yeah. so gorgeous to watch, and like I said, like not just the cinematography, man, but like just all the all the edits, man. The way they edit things together is just so beautifully done. Like from a technical level, like this show is masterful, man. And um, I feel like one takes have kind of become a gimmick now, where yeah. shows and movies do them just to do them, and I feel like. The point of a one take, I feel, is like to engross you in a story more or to tell you something about like what's going on with these characters. And I feel like the bear probably has one of the best one takes I have ever seen. Oh, yeah. It's it's like amazing. Yeah. And then you also have that monologue that he does. It's like seven minutes, dude. dude one, I think it's one take. And it, no, it, it is just, one take. Yeah, okay. it's amazing. We need to talk about that, and I'm going to throw something on you that, you, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I've had time to think about it. But we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, no, that I guess let's start from the beginning. So, the actor who plays Carmi, Jeremy Allen White, this guy, like his performance, he gives off this energy of like being on the brink of exploding. Like he he yes. has like this like silent intensity about him where. When you look on his face, you can see, like, all the worries in the world are just on his face. Mm -hmm. Like, he looks like he's reached his boiling point one more bad day, and he's going to end up like he did in Episode 7. Like, popping off on everyone, and, you know. Yes. Like. Dude, it's so real, this show. I mean, I think it's more real than any show I've ever watched. Like, the characters are so. I've met every single one of these characters before. Yes. Like, they're so real. I've met like the kind of depressed or like mm-hmm. like like repressed like genius in Carmi. I've met people like that. I've yes. met people like uh what was her name? Gina, right? The older yeah. uh Dominican lady who like she's like the older person who doesn't like being told what to do by the younger person. 
And she's yes. a bitch. I think it's Tina. Tina. Tina, yes. It's Tina. And then yes. I've, I've met Marcus, the guy who makes the donuts. Like, I've met guys like that who, you know, who get inspired and then they can't seem to focus. Like, all these people are yeah. so real. And I've especially, I've met Richie before. Yeah, I, I think I was Richie when I was younger too, man. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I was Richie, yeah. a fucking asshole, you know? Like, yeah, man. I watch a lot of shows and a lot of times... It's a good show, but the characters don't feel like there's someone you'd actually meet. They feel kind of cartoony in yeah. a way. Like even in Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, oh, yeah. you know. They but like in this show, these people just seem like people I'd run into. Mm-hmm. No, they they feel real and that's like such a great testament to the writing, but not just to the writing, but the performances, like just the way they even the way they speak, I feel sometimes like um, shows try to use cursing as a way to look cooler, but dude, like, I mean, you've seen how I speak. I talk just like them, you know? Yeah. Like, they talk like they're real people. Like, this world that they're in, it feels so real. It feels so lived in. Like, yes. the, the chaos of it. And if you've ever worked in the kitchen, which I have, I was a, an assistant manager at a Denny's, man. Like, you, you, you relate to that freaking craziness that happens in the show. Like, it, it is so yeah, well man. done. Um, Dude, it's it's an intense show too. At moments, like it could have you like stressing with. It puts you in there with them, stressing mm-hmm. out. And I think that's the genius of the one take. Like I said, I feel now like I'm not some big film buff, but I believe so. One of the things that popularized the one take, I think, was Daredevil here in America, um, yeah. the hallway scene. But Daredevil got that from the Raid Redemption, almost like it, it feels like almost shot for shot. But mm-hmm. in terms of inspiring like uh, like American filmmakers, or at least starting a trend, I think Daredevil started the the trend more, or it made it more prevalent of the one take. And I think it worked yeah. really well in, in season one of Daredevil. But then in season two and three, it, it became less about like the storytelling. Like in in the first, and I don't want to get off track, but like in the first one take of Daredevil, I don't know if you remember that hallway scene. Just that uh, fight, it felt so raw. The heavy breathing, like. It puts you in the story of like Matt Murdock, a man who would not quit. There's no giving up. He will, you know, do his objective and all that. But as we progressed, yeah. they became less about the storytelling and more about, well, we have to one up the one take. And it became more mm-hmm. grander in scale and less about the storytelling. And that's how I feel a lot of the one take stuff has what it's become here is like, yes. it's more of a look what we can do. But it's not. It's yeah, not. Look it's what like we a can. Flashy yeah. Thing. But it's not like look what we can do with it. You know. Yes. And the, yes. the bear has probably the best use of a one take that I've seen in television. Because when it comes to movies, I mean, there's better stuff. Like I don't know if you've ever seen Children of Men. There's like a crazy Never one. Yeah. But um, for television, man, I don't think it gets better than the bear. Um, and their one it, take. It felt so natural, man. Like that whole one take was just. It, it felt so real. It felt like you're in there with them. Yeah, and that's that's what they do a lot. And, and you know what's crazy? We're, we're like ten minutes in, dude, and we're still only talking about like the technical aspects of the show. Like we haven't oh, yeah. we haven't even gotten into the characters, man. And like, dude, so much depth with the characters. You know, all army. Of them. Yes, all of them. They they all have depth, and um, I really like what they did with Carmi. I mean, of course, this show. You know, if you think it's really, it's kind of a feel good show. Towards the end, 
Yes. But it's and, dealing with so much real shit. Like, you know, I've, I've suffered losses in my life and I feel like, yeah. like there's many ways to handle it because when you first meet like Richie, this guy is such yeah. an asshole, man. He's yeah. unbearable. But the more you get to know him, and I think especially in episode seven, like it's an act. He's putting on yeah. an act because, um, I think, um, Episode step seven starts with the flash. No, it might be episode six or seven. It starts with the flashback of Carmi's brother. Yes. And, and and it shows Richie laughing and cracking up and smiling like we've never seen him smile. And then mm-hmm. the very next scene after that, it cuts to Richie just standing there alone by himself. No one there. And he's just like looking like shattered, like his world is destroyed. But um, the moment it's time to open a store the store and let a customer in, hey what's up if it isn't mr dickless or whatever like yeah like, that's how he copes with his trauma is putting on this act and i think i think um he pushes people away because he's yeah. afraid to lose them the way he lost mikey yeah he and, even says i think in like episode three he says that mikey was his best friend you know yeah like, he's the person he cared about the most. Yeah, I mean, he has a strained relationship with his kids, his girl. Mm-hmm. He knows that he alienates people, that people don't like him. Like, yeah. Mike, Mikey was his last person, man. And I think, now this is just speculation, but I think he might feel guilt about Mikey's death because Mikey was a drug addict, and he knew yes. it, but he didn't do anything about it. And this is just speculation, but... Maybe he was too afraid to get Mikey the help that he needed because he didn't want Mikey yeah. to be mad at him. Or to- yeah, that kind of thing is hard, man. I, I I know a little bit about that kind of thing, and yeah. it's it's difficult to stop people because they're they're adults, you know. You yeah. don't want to get in their way. You don't want to tell them what to do. Yeah, you know. And like, and and then with Carmi, man, the way he's dealing with his trauma, like basically just throwing himself into his work and making him himself busier than than ever and like even his sister says like carmy like like have you grieved like you know like we need to grieve and he he just keeps blowing her off his sister is a very underrated character man oh yeah yeah she is man like carmy i i think okay the question is there there's a lot of shows coming out i think this one could pick up the crown because right now there's like a there's a big field on what's gonna be the next the next big show. Yeah, I agree. Like with impeccable writing, and I think this show might pick up the crown. According to the reviews for season two, man, it's looking like it. I've seen the first episode; it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I've seen with the reviews. It's like there, it's almost like a different show at times, and. Um, when you compare the opening scene of the first episode of season one with season two, they're like worlds apart. Um, and, yeah. and in a good way, like I like what they're doing with it, but, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. This might be the one dude. Um, yeah, man. I kind of wish like, I know it feels good to have everything all at once, but I kind of yeah. wish this show released weekly. Yeah, me too. Me because, too, man. Like, uh, uh, it's been like over a year and a half of me making content. And one thing I've realized is, honestly, man, I think weekly releases are better than dumping everything at once. It builds hype. 
It builds you know, hype for the show. It gives you time Releasing to the whole thing, it's not going to be as popular if they release the whole thing. It won't have the you legs. Know? Like the legs yeah. later. Um, Everybody's just going to watch it in a day and then be like, okay, done. If they release it weekly, over time, more and more people are going to be talking about it. Yeah. They're going to have time to talk about it. Um, what What was one of your favorite, like, who was one of your favorite side characters in the bear? Like, there's so many great ones, man. And they all had some great development. That's going to be difficult. Uh, probably, I don't know, man. Probably I, Ricky. I don't know. Uh, you mean Richie? Yeah, Richie, yeah. I really like Tina, man. Tina grows yeah. so much. The way she was treating, um, uh, what's her name? Is it Sam? No. Uh, Sydney. Sydney. The way she treats Sydney is really, really messed up. And then, like, she grows so much. Like, I, I think with Tina, she, she's like, they all deeply care about the restaurant. Yes. They all deeply cared about Mikey. And the thing with Tina is I think she's, well, for one, she's afraid of change. Mm-hmm. And I think she lacked kind of like a foundation in her life, something that was solid and you could tell, I think she suffers from almost like a lack of confidence because yeah. when she's preparing those mashed potatoes and then she gives it to Sydney, he's like, there you go. Tell me how shitty it is. And then when Sydney yes. says, it tastes great. Like her, the way her face lit up, like that little Dude, moment meant that everything scene to her. is so good, man. Yeah. I, I really loved that scene. And that it's understandable that like, cause she's been in there like since, before everyone, probably yeah. almost like yeah. when it started, yeah. and like this lady who just came in telling me what to do. Who the hell are you? You know, yeah, yeah. Like I've been here forever. Small moment, but I really liked it. And then from that moment, like her demeanor changed, and it got to the point where you know Richie wouldn't stop like blabbering, and she's the one who had to pull him to the side and like Richie, you're fucking this up. We have yep. something good going here. This place can be something. And that was a big moment of growth for her. Yes, um, finally she has some confidence. Yeah, and, and not every character had like crazy depth, but one of my favorite side characters was like the guy who fixes everything, the the, the chubbier dude with the tats. Oh yeah, that guy's he's, hilarious. He's hilarious, and um, that was another bit of a uh, character growth for Richie at the end, offering him the job. Yeah, like, like you know, showing how much Richie had grown. But he was hilarious. Um, Marcus and his damn donuts drove me crazy yeah dude like, like what is that during episode seven when when everything is going insane instead of working on his damn cakes this dude's still working on the freaking yeah. donut and yeah like, he did mess that up man i remember me and my wife it's like this guy's still working on like when we first watched it like oh my god dude like you're supposed to be working on the damn cakes Dude, you think he deserved to get the donut slapped out of his hand no nah, man i felt bad for him because it was it, it's like i think he really looked I think Carmi brought out passion in a lot of people. I think, yeah. he, I think he brought it out of, well, I don't think Sydney necessarily needed it, but Carmi was someone that she like respected. Yeah. And I think the way Carmi was always respectful and open to everyone, like how he would encourage people. I think a lot of these people lacked encouragement and in their lives from someone respectable. Cause not to be mean, everybody loved Mikey, but he was a drug addict. And yeah. you, you see how Marcus's face lights up with Carmi's like cookbook or like the photos of all the meals he's made. 
and yeah. how much interest it takes. And then Carmi like kind of helps bring that out of him. And yeah, just to slap it out of his hand. Yeah. In no, the heat that, of the moment. Yeah. And even Carmi realized he fucked up after when he, when he tasted the donut, he's probably like, he, he yeah. got it. He got the perfect donut, but yep. yeah. So there's just, dude, th- this season is just so special to me, man. Like it's just, there's not one flaw that it's not a flaw. Okay, it's not a flaw. But um, how did Mikey get the money in the tomato cans? Okay, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a good question. That's that's a really good question. I don't know how he did that. Because, I mean, maybe do they make the tomato cans? I don't know. Maybe he had them specially made at some place. I don't know. It, it it it's not really important, you know. Yeah, it's um, not, dude. It. It upset me so much how Richie hid that note from from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But in the end, he, he gave it to him. And he explained why. Like, give, him yeah. giving that letter to Carmi was him basically accepting that Mikey was gone. I think this entire show is just about, like, processing your trauma, dealing with grief, how you deal with it, what happens when you don't treat your trauma. Yeah. Um, and... It's just so it's so fascinating. Like I said, like I've I've been through stages of grief before where I, I kind of act more like Carmi, where I bottle it all inside. I pretend like it's not there. And next thing you know, days later, I'm I'm like exploding on people or crying or whatever it is, you know. And there's been mm-hmm. times where I'm like Richie, where I just I just I want to make others feel as shitty as I feel. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and like what I love though is they both grow so much, man. I love that. A small detail, but every time Carmi would go to a meeting, he was super covered up, hat on, mm-hmm. kind of hiding. But by the final yes. episode, he was like, everything was off. He, like, he was just there speaking. He opened up. He opened yep. up. Dude, that monologue, man. My God. It is so Dude. good. Yes, it is. It's amazing. The acting that he he does and just in that just in that scene alone, yeah. like, it's amazing. Like, that's why people, like, were like, you know, who would you rather give the Emmy to? And I'm like, I kind of want to give it to him. They're like, over Bob Odenkirk? Kind of. Like, like what does Bob Odenkirk have in season six that compares to that? Like, because remember, yeah. they don't give it off seasons. It's like they pick certain episodes. So what episode in Better Call Saul does he have that can, like, match that? That's hard, you know, because he deserves, he, he deserves does. it. But, but probably not for the episode that they're giving it to him. But like the thing with 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 that though is the bear might be in the comedy category. So if that's the case, who do you give it to then? Bill Hader for I think for that I think it might be season three of Barry. So season three, Bill yeah. Hader or uh, Jeremy Allen White for Carmi. So okay, Dude, that's okay, hold so, on. Hard, so it would be episode eight, episode eight of Barry, season three, or episode eight of the bear. Dude, oh man! It better not be Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. I'll tell you that much, man. Can't believe yeah. he, I can't believe he won over Bill Hader, but um, yeah, that's a tough one, dude. That's yeah, that's insane. I wouldn't. I would never be able to choose. I think for the degree of difficulty, I might go with Carmi, just for yeah. that that one take scene, dude. Like it's really hard to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is. But um, like, some of the acting Bill Hader did was incredible. top notch. Okay, here's a question. Yeah. What's a better one-take scene? Chicanery or Carmi's monologue? Oh, man. Dude, 
Okay, you know, that that's hard not to be biased, man. I love Better Call Saul so much. So here's the thing. Carmi's monologue is, I think it might be more impressive in, because, well, it's more impressive in this certain way. The length of yeah. it. The length. Oh, yeah. But um, M- Michael McKean, who is the most under, who gave the most underappreciated performance in the whole Breaking Bad Dude. universe. His performance, like the wide range of emotions that he goes through in one scene is insane. Yes. How long is the yes. chicanery scene? Do you know? I th- I think it's like four minutes or something yeah, like that. Four or five minutes. Okay. So like they're like if I had to pick one, I really don't know too. <laughs> and they're both such massive payoffs too. Like I really I have no I just something I thought I'd throw on you. Dude, Chuck okay, Chuck's one take scene, I think does he let out more emotion? Oh dude, he goes through so many different ranges yeah. of emotions that, that but like that's the thing though. That's kind of so. It, it's like saying he's more Brian Cranston, and Jeremy Allen mm-hmm. White is more um, Bob Odenkirk, right? Yeah. Brian Cranston's performance was very co- like colorful. It was more um, like amped, right? Yes. Versus Saul versus Bob Odenkirk, who was a much more subdued, nuanced performance. So like they're yes. very different performances, but dude, they're both so good. They're both have, have like incredible writing. I. I don't know, dude. I can't pick one. I just thought I'd I throw that on yeah. you. Whoever's whoever's listening to this, like, let us know what's better: chicanery yeah, or Carmi's monologue. Let us know. Um, but um, you know, just kind of what are what are some of your just kind of closing thoughts or overall thoughts on season one of the Bear? I want to talk about how Jeremy Allen White he acts like just with his eyes. Like, there's certain scenes where he's silent. He's just. He's not even like saying anything. He's not doing anything. That's what I'm saying. You, you feel yeah. that tension in with within his mind. Like when you look yes. at his face, like he just gives off this vibe, like he's holding the whole weight of the world inside of him. Yeah, you can tell exactly what he's thinking, like his exact thoughts, how he feels in the moment, just Dude. with the silent scene. And like, not a lot of actors can do that. No, and a perfect um, embodiment of that scene is right before he opens his brother's letter. The way he's yep. standing there alone, the way he's staring at it. Like, there's so much going on. And then, dude, talk about that payoff, man. His brother left him like, like I love you, dude. Let it rip. Bro, that made me cry when I first watched it. Because it's like, because yes. you feel like what Carmi's feeling. Like, he did yeah. love me. You know, he yes. did love me. He did care about me. Because, you know, they had a strained relationship. And for whatever reason, his brother kind of pushed him away. And then Carmi yeah. took that as like, a, you know, well, fuck you. Like, I'm going to push yeah. you away. But in the and end, he loved his brother. His, I think in maybe, like, why do you think his brother might have done that? Do you think it might have been a way to push him to reach a higher limit? Like, get better? It's just, I've, I've never had a brother, man. So I, I really yeah. don't know. It, it's, it's hard it's to say. Thing. And um, speaking of like Carmi and his brother, um, I really love the fact that we don't know why his brother killed himself. Because it's yeah. so, again, like this show is real. A lot of the times we don't get to say goodbye to our loved ones. We don't know why they do the things we do. And we never will. Yeah. And like, yeah. and with Carmi, like we don't, I hope they don't reveal in season two what exactly was going on. Um, we don't need to know. It's not important, but I just like that detail. It's so real, man. We sometimes we just we just don't know, and we never yeah. will. Um, yeah. but yeah, dude, 
that scene with Mikey, John Bernthal, man. Oh my gosh, he owned that scene, dude. Like, yes, he did. And the way he gave off every description of Mikey that we've heard throughout the show, like he made you feel like you were best friends. He lit up the room. Yes. His smile. He was so charismatic. Like everything that people said about him in one scene, John Bernthal yes. brought this character to life. In a way, they cut away from all the stress just to show the happiness in that just one scene that he brought to everyone. Yes, and I think and then right after that they cut to to Richie the chaos. No, yeah. I think they cut to that's when they cut to Richie. Just yeah, I think that's the yes. episode where we got a lot of depth with Richie. Um, was that yes. episode? Because I'm a, the way I see it is uh, he was thinking back to that memory. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Because in the very next scene, he's on a date with a chick, and he's trying to tell the story that Mikey was telling. You know, yep. you know, and it's just yeah, man. But John Bernthal just came in there and just dominated like the whole scene, dude. Did. Like it, it, John Bernthal is so good, man. He is, man. He's one of the most under—I don't even want to say he's underrated, but like this man needs his own movie. You know, yes, he he kills every supporting role he ever does, but. Yeah, no, every single description, everything you thought of Mikey in your head, whether you knew it or not, when you saw John Bertha, you're like, that's Mikey. Yeah. And go ahead. I don't want to get off topic, but that really makes me think, like, a lot of times, it's it's a problem with actors. A lot of very good actors are wasted talent because they don't get as many roles as they deserve. Yeah. Like, I've watched a lot of movies with actors who only have like two movies that are huge like amazing movies and And, like they deserve more roles no i agree and i love the fact that john i would consider john bernthal a star he may not be like a like a like a robert downey jr type star or a a chris hemsworth leading man but he's a star in the sense that every director wants to work with him he's getting Mm -hmm. offers left and right he's one of the most in-demand people so yeah, a star. Every like, time something comes out, you right. watch it. I mean, it's a, John Bernthal, right? So a star like him was willing, was more than willing to take a two-minute role. You yeah, know, a big-name actor, like because you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's changing now because television, because of streaming, and they're probably handing out bigger paychecks and all the. It's turning yep. into more of a prestige thing. But for many, 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 many years. If you're a big actor, you don't do television. You just yes. don't. You just don't. Yeah. And we're seeing that now that a lot of actors are starting to do. Um, tell. I mean, look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He finally did a TV show. Yeah. I but still need to watch that. Stallone. Look at Stallone. And not just them, but yep. like a lot of other big actors are starting to move towards television. But I love the fact that John Bernthal could just, hey, uh, I have this role for you. Um, you play a brother. Okay. Um, you know, you're really only in it for about two minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Like a, a lot of actors with egos, man. No, no, thank you. Pass. Yeah. Pass. And that, that kind of worries me though, too. Cause one thing I like about TV shows is I always like every show I've watched. It's introduced me like pretty much most shows. I don't know any of the actors that yeah. I've, I watch, you know, oh, like yeah. secession. I didn't know a single one of these people. I just knew Brian Cox and he was the big name yep. on that show. Yeah. And, that, and that's um, another guy, the guy who played, uh, uh, hmm, uh, the guy, the bad guy in season four, uh, the one who's trying no, to buy Waystar. 
Yeah, uh, Madsen. Uh, yes, uh, that's um, I think his name is. I don't Ale- know the actors. His name. He's a. I think he's Alexander Skarsgård. But this guy played Tarzan. This guy um mm-hmm. had his own movie in The Northman. Like he's a movie star, right? Yeah. This guy's this guy's big time. But he was willing to come down here on TV to take the smaller role. Like I love that man. I love yeah. that. But yeah. um, no, yeah, getting you know getting back to the topic of it, Lion Man, John Bernthal really just. He brought Mikey to life. He gave Mikey so much life. And I I don't know if this is meant to be a commentary or not, but this is so true to life, man, where people who suffer with depression and suicidal thoughts, the, literally the day before you see them or the day before they kill themselves, you spent a day with them where you guys were laughing, having yep. the time of your life, and the next day he shot himself on a bridge. Yep, sometimes well, you just can't tell, man. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen. And, and I don't know if that was intentional, but this is something that... Because we don't know when, when this was, right? Yeah. But I think yeah. they're just showing that he was so full of life and so lovable and charming and he still took his own life. Yeah, and there's some people like that where, like, they just bottle it up and they put on a performance. Yeah, and, you know, and that could have been happy. Mikey. That could have been Mikey, yep. man. Yep. Um, but just, I guess, closing thoughts on season one of The Bear for me is um, this is truly one of the greatest seasons of television I've ever seen. Um, the, oh, yeah. The performances from the cast all around, even to the smallest supporting roles like the uh, the older African gentleman. Um, I, yeah. Ibra, um, Ibra, like when, when Tina tells him, Ibra, stop being a bitch. That is sexist. Like, dude, I was <laughs> dying. Or like the yeah. guy who's the dishwasher, um, the the guy who fixes everything. Like these, even to the smallest little performances, like everyone. The whole br- cast killed it, man. Oh my gosh, yes. And I I really hope everybody. Like some of these people are veterans. Like Tina, I've seen her. Ebra, I haven't seen. Um, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Marcus, man, he's so he's so charismatic. He's so charming. I really hope he gets more roles. Um, the yeah. the, the person who plays um, uh, Samantha, Sammy, Samantha, what was her name? Um. Well, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I hope yeah. she gets more roles. Like, everybody, man. Everybody. Like, this is one of the most well-acted shows. One of the realest shows. Perfect pacing from a technical standpoint. It is, like, monumental. Like, it is an achievement. Like, worth celebrating. Writing. Yes. Technical prowess. Acting. Like, dude, it, 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 it's a 10 out of 10. Perfect. Yeah. Is there going to be a season three? I wonder. Probably. If, if this... You know, it's all dependent on ratings, dude. If there is, I think they're gonna pick up the crown, man. They're gonna be the next, next big show. Well, I don't. Everybody's I, watching. I don't like giving shows a crown until they repeat their success. So, if season two is an yeah. absolute banger. Then it's time to give the crown. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Any closing thoughts for you? Um, not really. It's just a really great show. I can't wait. Right after this episode, I'm gonna watch season two. Yeah, I'm gonna let's start do season it, man. two. All right then. So, let's move on to episode two of Better Call Saul. Do you want to start? It is an intense episode. It's not the greatest episode, but it's definitely intense. I mean, it's not a bad episode either. No. But there's not a single bad episode of Better Call Saul. But it's 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 the point where when I first watched, you know, I, I wasn't really sure if this show was going to be good, you know. Yeah. It's not bad. But like when I first watched, it's not I wasn't that interested in Miho. Yeah, but it's a good movie. I mean, not movie show, dude. Episode. But like it, it takes you right back to Breaking Bad. Yep, it the, does. The it intensity does. of it. So for me, um, 
an intense opening. The twins are incredibly frustrating and stupid. Um, mm -hmm. I hate those guys. Abuelita is so cute. She's just such a sweet woman, man. I've met so many old Mexican ladies like her. She reminds me of my mom, too. Yeah. Um, and something that I don't know if this was on purpose that I never really thought about, but we see a different side to Tuco, a caring side. Um, I think this adds a bit of depth to Tuco's character, man. When he's off the drugs, he's a kind and caring grandson. Not person, yeah, man. grandson, at least. He what takes... do you think happened to Abuelita? Like, after, uh, after Better Call Saul? Maybe she passed away, man. She's pretty old. Yeah. yeah. Um, he takes care of his Abuelita. He probably lives with her to take care of it, or she lives with him, more like it. Um, this might also be a comment on what drug use does to a person. The Duco we see in these scenes is quiet, calm, rational, and it's a big difference from who he is in Breaking Bad when he's on meth. He's almost scarier this way. Like the silent yeah. intensity that he has, dude. Like he gives it yeah. off like Gus Fring vibes, you know? Yep, yep. But like, I don't know if I'm misinterpreting that or not, but it, it or maybe it was just accidental, but. I feel like it does add some character because even Nacho says it in a later episode of Man. When he's on this shit, he's like a completely yeah. different person. And yeah. we see him like obviously he was already a drug like he was back on drugs, but in Breaking Bad when he's taking he's taking care of his uncle. Mm -hmm. uh, of 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 uh, Hector, you know? Yeah, it shows he's not heartless. Yeah. Even though he kinda is. And then um and damn does Raymond Cruz own the screen. Um, he feels bigger than he really is. I met the guy. He's, I'm six foot one. He's shorter. He's like yeah. five foot nine, dude. Um, the gravitas he has, um, has me thinking that he's like six, seven. Like he feels bigger than yeah. life. You know what I mean? Um, dude. He, yeah. He's, he's so good as, yeah. like he, he, he's, he's terrifying. Like in every scene, even like in the beginning of breaking bad, he's, he's scary, man. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Um, so after that, uh, next Saul walks into the picture. This is Saul Goodman at his best. He's just blabbering endlessly, hoping to get out of, to get his way out of things. That's his greatest weapon, his mouth. And even Duco recognized it after Saul gives him that whole spiel in his house. And his only, dude, Duco is so freaking hilarious in this episode, bro. He said, and then Duco's response, wow. You got a mouth, you got on, a mouth you. on you. Yeah, dude, yep. he's so funny, dude. Like this episode yep. is hilarious. Oh, yeah, it is. Even with these small, funny moments, the tension never drops. You can feel an intense amount of tension from now until the end of the desert scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. And it, it, these scenes really show how much of a performer Jimmy is. That's what he oh, is. Yeah. He's a performer. Yeah, he's, That's like what a court, he does. he's like a court jester, man. Yeah, man. He just goes out and he, he, he just talks. He talks and talks and talks. That his problems dude, away, but Raymond Cruz, like he doesn't get enough credit for how good his performance is. Because like, there's 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 Brian Cranston, then there's mm -hmm. then there's Bob Odenkirk, and then you have someone in the middle like uh uh the guy who plays Nacho. Three very different yeah. performances, and those are the kinds of performances that get like critical praise. But yeah, Raymond Cruz's performance is a whole different kind of performance. It's a more physical performance. And it's very it has to be hard to and, do. Yeah, and it's you know? very dependent on his delivery. But the way he speaks, the raspiness yeah. in his voice, the intensity in his eyes, like it doesn't yes. get enough credit. And like, like I said, wow, you got a mouth on. Like, dude, he's scary as hell, man. Like, he, he is, bro. He uh, is. It's incredible how the writers make us feel fear for a character, Jimmy, 
that we know is going to survive. How do you add stakes to a prequel? This is exactly how you do it. By introducing new characters that we like, or, because we don't like them, or don't know the fates of. Um, yeah. And then we cut to the desert scene, man. Wow. The intensity of it, dude. That scene gives a little bit of insight on the character of Nacho, I think. Oh yeah, I, and I got. I got they show that he's he's more human than they are. Yeah, and that's why he yeah. probably would have outlived them all if he didn't get himself in that situation. Yeah, but um, the desert scene, man, wow, the intensity—if it's perfectly in line with the raw intensity of Breaking Bad. And um, just side notes, it feels good to see Gonzo and No Dose. Um, and those guys, once again, Saul just spits out verbal diarrhea at a million miles a minute. And here we get the introduction of Nacho, one of the best characters, man. Oh, dude, I love Nacho, man. Yeah. Um, the music in this scene is phenomenal. Like the, the, the quiet score that's just making things amp up. So good. Oh, yeah. Um, Duco putting pliers on Saul is crazy. Saul saying he's in the FBI is so Saul Goodman, bro. Dude, like, it's it's that whole scene is hilarious, man. I remember the first time I watched it, just laughing the entire scene. <laughs> Operation Kingbreaker. That must be on the king. You know, like yeah. it is so stupid. And then and, and this is what makes Nacho different. He yep. know he's not stupid in, to, enough to really fall for this shit. Yeah, you know? um, he knows. Oh, and I have that here. Um, but here's what separates Nacho from the guys like Tuco. His intelligence, his cunning. He's not easily fooled, and he's the voice of reason. He's not gullible like Tuco. It's possible that Nacho was an anchor to Tuco and kept him sane and probably saved his ass many times over and like, you know, before we ever got to Better Call Saul. Yeah. Um, and I already touched on this, but Tuco is so incredibly hilarious. That makes me the king! You know, it's just he's so yeah. stupid. Oh, you want me to blind him, dude? I, I, we haven't even gotten to that part yet, but yeah. Yeah. The silent intensity of Nacho is great as well when he tells Saul to tell the truth. Like he, Nacho is smaller in stature. He's skinny, but when he speaks, you listen. Yeah. You know, you take him seriously. Like he gives off a certain amount of respect. Um, yeah. We get to see that Nacho is a reasonable person when he wants to get Duco to let Saul go, but. As we learn that, as we know, as we start to learn, um, there's so much more to that. Nacho is a planner. Nacho thinks ahead. Having a friend as a possible contact and or ally is a smart business move. But the main reason is he recognizes that he can use Saul to scam the Kittlemans. Yeah. Um, he's smart and he's not stupid, but he's also not a brutal dog and is so quick to issue death like Duco. This is what makes him special from those in this drug world. It's like he bring, he has, he will kill. He will yeah. brutalize someone. But yeah. it's not his go-to. He thinks. He stops to think. Yeah, he'll try to save a life if he can. Yep. Um, that realization that Saul gets to go, but the twins are stuck sucks. And watching Saul go back for them is like, I'm watching. I'm like, what the hell, bro? Just get out of there. They're stupid, yeah. and there's a reason you're here. Fuck them. <laughs> like, you know, because they couldn't keep their mouths shut. Yeah, and the thing about that, it shows a very big difference between Breaking Bad Saul and Better Call Saul Jimmy. Because oh, yeah. in Breaking Bad, Saul would have just, he would have left. He'd, he'd be gone. Bro, you it, know? Was, it was his idea to just kill Badger. <laughs> yep. Or, or uh, Hank. 
Jesse, yeah. you know, yeah. he doesn't care. He's heartless in Breaking yeah. Bad, but in this situation, it shows you how much more human he was. And, you know? and I put that there, but Saul's conscience won't just let them leave them there. Yeah. What follows is arguably uh, one of, if not the greatest, and I put quotes on this, courtroom scenes of all time. For sure one of the most intense, because when you really think about it, Saul is arguing in front of a court. He's got the judge, yep. jury, and executioner right there. Yep. Um, think of when he, <laughs> when he, when he tries putting that, that line of thinking to Tuco, like these kids have mothers, and he says, "Think about their mother." And Tuco, I spit on their mom, bro. I was dying, dude. I was like, this yeah. was so funny, man. Um, watching Saul trying to talk down a madman is so incredibly intense and also hilarious. The tension in the scene is insane, but Dugo keeps the scene grounded with him being such an idiot. He's Dude, so yeah. stupid. Uh, once again, Saul's verbal diarrhea, just saying everything and anything to keep these dudes alive. The story about their hardworking mom. You're tough, but you're fair. You're uh, Although, this line killed me when after he decides everything. And, and, and Dugo's like, you know, he's telling Dugo, you're tough, but you're fair. You're all about justice. And then Dugo's like, that's what I'm saying. Justice. It's justice. Like, it's so yeah. Um, and then, you know, the Hammurabi's codes. Like, you ever heard of Hammurabi's code? An eye for an eye? So you want me uh, to blind them. Yeah. All they did was trash dogs. So I cut their tongues out. <laughs> so freaking Bro. Colombian neckties. That, that was my next thing. Saul says, make the punishment fit the crime. Colombian neckties. I'm, and I put bro is hilarious. Um, and then when No-Dose kind of tells him, like, uh, what is No-Dose saying this? Not who you're working for, but, uh, or, or he's, he's the boss or something like that. Cause he's the boss. And then Duke will just I think like, he says he's already got a black guy fool or something. And he's like, oh yeah. Stop, stop helping. Yeah. Or stop, yeah. stop talking. Dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, Raymond Cruz's performance is so good, bro. Like stop it is, man. talking. Oh, my God. Um, and that's a little foreshadowing with no-dose. Don't interrupt Tuco. Um, Saul's brilliance is incredible. What's harder, talking down the U.S. government from over 100 years to seven or talking down Tuco from killing people? I don't know, man. That's a tough yeah. one. Um, tough but fair. They shake on it. Tuco treating this like a business tra transaction just cracks me up every time, dude. And then he yep. shakes his hand and everything. like It's just like... Um, and then the very next scene, one of the most goaded lines in the show, you're the worst lawyer ever. Hey, I just talked you down from a death sentence to six months probation. I'm the I'm best, the lawyer. best lawyer ever. Dude, so it's, good. it's such a good scene, man. It, it, like it, it's one of the best in the whole show, man. Like it's just the intensity of it. Like the music, the performances, the cinematography of it, everything, man. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to Saul in the bar. You just know his game is smooth. This dude probably bags hella women, you know? Yeah. Um, Jimmy went from puking after the legs incident to about to choke an old woman to death, beginning and ending. You know? Like, he, he was literally, you know, barfing be because of that it, it, while on a date. And we go from that to him almost about to choke to death. Um, I forget her name, but, you know, you know, a lady in season yeah. six. Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, anything you want to add so far? 
Um, not really, not right now, no. Okay. Um, so next scene, it's so interesting to see Chuck and his disease for the first time in full effect. Something as simple as yeah. him picking up a phone is like near death to him. His yeah, mental state. We learn a bit about his con- his condition, man. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to uh uh his mental state from the beginning is very fragile. Like we can tell. Um, yeah. Then I put <clears throat> Michael McKean is such a great actor. Probably the most underrated performance in the Breaking Bad universe, which I agree with. Obviously, yes. I read it, but um, Chuck in the spank space blanket is such a WTF moment. Like. We don't exactly know what is up with Chuck, but it's so odd and interesting. Like, like out of everything these showrunners could have done, them picking this specific thing, like, to make, yeah. you know, it's just, like, it's very interesting. It, and it definitely keeps you guessing, like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think Jamie from the beginning knew that this was all BS, but he was so desperate to get Chuck's love and approval that he put up with it and ultimately failed to get Chuck the help that he really needed. He had so many chances to do so. And this is just what we see during the show. Who knows what happens oh, yeah. before the show starts where he could have had Chuck get help. He yeah. could have ruined his relationship with his brother, but ultimately saved him, you know? It's another thing, like, that's, like, very similar to addicts, you know? You don't want to tell an adult what to do. You know, when they don't want to do it, mm-hmm. it's hard to do. Yeah. You know? No, I, I agree. Um... Jimmy looks so ashamed when he brings up the emergency bill. He doesn't want his brother to see slipping Jimmy, a man he despises. He wants him to see Jimmy. He tried yep. to prove to Chuck that he's not that guy anymore. And you could tell kind of like that look of disgust or like the tone in his voice that Chuck gives off like, like you're really doing this shit again? You know? Yep. Um, go ahead. Did you want to add something? Um, no. Oh, okay. Um, Jimmy giving that court lady a teddy bear shows how smart Jimmy is and how he is always willing to bend the rules. Even little things like that to get a to yeah. get a case that he wants or to get ahead in the line of getting cases assigned to him. And you see this like her thing, you know, you look in the background, there's like a billion yeah. teddy bears. Probably like... all from Jimmy, dude. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then we get a great montage of Jimmy just being a good citizen, trying to be straight. How did you interpret this montage? Oh, dude, the mon- montage was amazing. It's one of the, I think it's probably First one of, all, of the best. Better Call Saul montages. is the absolute king of montages. But anyways. Continue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is definitely one of the best montages. I think I, I it's it's based on a movie about a man who's working himself to death. You know how he says it's showtime, folks. Yeah. Apparently, that's a reference to a movie about a man working himself really? to death. Hmm. Yeah. So... It's interesting to see that, you know, I think it's, what do you think? Well, I think it could be, it shows Jimmy trying to live the straight life. And I think the more time goes on, the less, um, uh, what's the word? Not happy, but the less content Jimmy is with this life. And as as we get towards the end of it, you see him spilling his coffee, like, like his coffee completely falls over and it's just pouring Yep. things are just getting worse and worse and the montage is speeding up and speeding up and it's like i think it's meant to show us just the, the in jimmy's eyes yeah the, the mundaneness of being the straight man of yes. doing things the right way because you know to jimmy like this must be like purgatory this is like worse than yeah. hell he's stuck the in the stress middle stress that he's he's having you know it's like it's intense you know i think 
what he's feeling. It's just not. It's not him. It's not what he's used to. You and, know, he and, can't do it. And he's doing this for Chuck. Like he, yeah. He just had this whole thing with Chuck. Like Chuck, I swear nothing's going on. That's not me anymore. I think he's doing this to prove to Chuck. And that's why the relationship between Chuck and Jimmy, it hurts so much, man. Because you mm-hmm. see how hard Jimmy is trying to make his brother proud. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he think, never really does it. No. Um, but yeah, great montage. I think there's more going on there, but I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Uh, yeah. And then some other notes. Um, Mike and the stickers, man. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, I guess I did take notes here. So some other stuff. What do you think the montage represents? I, I put the mundaneness of Jimmy being the good guy. His discontent, a master at work, like uh, just how hard Jimmy works. As more time passes, uh, Jimmy's frustration continues to build. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Jimmy in that nail salon, sad stuff, and him pouring that drink. Shades of who he becomes, really. A sad drunk. Yeah. And that final scene with Nacho, man. I think that's the next scene, right? Uh, yeah, and then we get introduced to Bill Oakley this episode, which is awesome. I love Bill Oakley. Oh, yeah. And then kind of like Nacho. Yeah, the final scene, man. I mean, what did you think about that final scene with Nacho? Okay, so Nacho saying, um, well, Saul saying, I'm a lawyer, not a criminal. Yeah. And Nacho can see see it in him. He can see who yeah. he really is. And this you know, is unlike- what makes Nacho special. He sees He sees people for who they really are. Yep, and he says, you're shitting me. And he gives him that, his phone number, he says, when you know you're in the game. Yeah. So see, he doesn't want to accept it because he wants to make his brother proud. He says, no, I'm not in the game. But like always, you know? Jimmy can't keep his hands out of the cookie jar, like Chuck would say. Yep. The yep. temptation of taking the easy way out, you know, it, it, it's too yes. much for him. It, it, it's too much. Yes. For him. And like I said, Nacho, Nacho's smart, man. He can see that Jimmy's lying to himself. He knows that's why he leaves yeah. his card. It's like a little kind of push in 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 the right direction, you know. Yeah, and it's so genius what they do like through the whole show with Saul balancing these two personas, you know, trying to stay away from what Chuck doesn't want him doing. But even when he does do the right thing, Chuck doesn't show him any support. The only what he in doing the right thing. The only time Jimmy ever gets love for people or rewarded in any way is when he does the bat the wrong thing. Because time yeah. and time again he does things the right way, and for whatever reason it doesn't go his way. He doesn't get any acknowledgement for it or anything like that. At the very least, when he cons people, Kim likes it. Yeah, that, that helps him yep. bond. So it's like every time he does the right thing, he gets punished for it in his eyes. You know. Yeah. And later in the series, I know this is off topic of the episode, mm-hmm. they have that song, uh, The Winner Takes It All. Yeah. And if you listen to the lyrics, it it, it really tells a lot I, about Jimmy. I think... I was a fool playing by yeah, the rules. Yeah, yeah, playing by the rules. Yes. Because I think, like, I think that goes kind of... I know it comes later, but I think it kind of goes hand in hand like with Jimmy like in that montage. like He was a fool playing by, by the rules because... Here he is doing yeah. this when, I mean, I know Nacho hasn't approached him yet, but here he is doing this when he could easily scam the Kennelmans. He knows yep, they have the money, yep, yep. you know? But and no. Chuck tells him, uh, what does he tell him? Follow the rules and rewards will come, but and he, he never, gets nothing. Yeah. He gets no reward. 
And the only following time the he gets rewards is when he does the wrong thing. You know? Yes. Like you have the whole world telling you you're no good. You're you're the kind of lawyer guilty people take. Um, you have his own brother kind of looking down at him and scoffing at him. You, you you see Howard thinks he's a joke. Like the only person who really gives him respect is Kim. Yeah, you know? and that really shows what what that does to a person. You know. Yeah, man. It it really just adds to Jimmy's frustration, man. But yeah. Um, uh, I don't have much more to say. I, I feel like this one isn't as layered or dense as the uh. Yeah, the pilot still a great episode, man. I probably give it like an eight to an eight point five. Like it, oh yeah, the, the desert scenes carry, but there's a lot of great stuff going on in this episode. Oh yeah, it's a very good episode. Um, yeah, dude. I, <laughs> I mean, the main takeaways is Raymond Cruz is is a hell of a performer, man, and like the type of performance that he gives, like I said, mm-hmm. not just anybody can do that. Can you? Could you yeah. see? Bob Odenkirk giving that kind of performance? I don't think so. No. No, uh, definitely not. Brian Cranston, I mean, he he, he kind of did it as Walter White, but it was a little different. Because, like I said, yeah. the, the physicality of the role, the performance, the way he scrunches his eyes, the tone of his voice, the way he kind of, like, takes up the screen. Like, it's such a great physical performance. And, of, co- of yeah. course, Bob Odenkirk is fantastic. Uh, him and, and Chuck, fantastic, like... So many great building blocks that we get here, and Nacho kind of. And there's nothing that pisses me off is that people, when they hate on Better Call Saul season one through like three, because yeah. honestly, those three seasons come with some of the best writing through the whole series. Oh, I, th- I think the you writing know? is definitely the strongest in seasons one yeah. through three. Um, by, yeah. by season four, things are starting to escalate so fast, and the writing is still mm-hmm. good. But, like, the character work you get between Saul and Chuck is just top tier. Oh, yeah. And his developing relationship with Kim, all the internal struggles Saul is going through, the development of Nacho, how we get to see more layers of him. I can't wait till we get to 5 Dude. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about 5 But Oh, like, such a good episode. But, like, there's so much going on in, in these first three seasons. But you know what, man? It, TikTok is full of kids. Kids don't have attention spans, as we all know. Yeah. Um, but whatever. So, uh, any yeah. other final words you want to give this? Um, I think it's a really good episode. It's going to be difficult for me to not just binge watch the entire show. This is going to be hard for me I to mean, watch it, one it, episode you, a week. You can if you want. Just take notes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. think I'll do that because definitely don't go every past time the season we're on though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because. I just love watching Better Call Saul, man. Especially it's, season it's so, one, dude. So good. Season one is so good. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's it, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this mini-sode, the first of many. Um, please make sure to rate us five stars if you can. Subscribe to the YouTube. Follow me and Badgie. All the links are in our bios, um, are in the bio of this, and on TikTok, Instagram, everything. So, yeah, guys, thank you for your support. And, um, yeah, man, appreciate it. We're out. <laughs>